Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Bethnal Green service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Good evening. Well, I'll just keep waiting. <laughs> it's very good to see you all. And uh, I hope you have enjoyed this series on the Prince of Peace. It's saying a lot about Jesus, isn't it, that uh, he is the Prince of Peace. It means that we never need to be in doubt of his agenda in any given situation, at any point in our lives. He will always work for peace. So we, if we ask the question, what does he want with us this evening, the answer is quite simple. He wants us to experience peace. And what I will be focusing on is finding peace with ourselves. And um, in a way, when I received that topic, I thought, well, this is kind of what I am involved with a lot of the time through my ministry with the STEPS courses that some of you are familiar with. Uh, so honestly, um, when, I, when, when I was asked about this, I thought, well, easy. That's a walk in the park. But as I have reflected and prepared myself, I have been more and more kind of preoccupied with the importance of this. Um, I have seen and observed kind of in a new way what a big agenda this is. I mean, we live in a city where there is a lot of unrest going on. Just this area, we know all the stories going on in this area. There's a lot of unrest, unrest. there's a lot of lack of peace. In, in, for us as a nation right now, we go through a time which is really in need of peace, in need of answers, even to some degree in need of leadership. So there's a lot of unrest going on. And yet, I, I, I would assume that quite a few of us would say, with all of this going on around us still, the biggest battle for peace is going on right there in here. I spoke to uh, an acquaintance of mine just the other day, and she's um, this kind of person that you secretly envy. You know you're not supposed to envy anyone, but you know, she's just got it together. Uh, everything looks just really well. Uh, very strong career, beautiful family, impressive number of children, uh, you know, liked by all, um, and, you know, very respected leader in her church community. So it's like she ticks all the boxes. And yet when we spoke, she told me that, well, even with all of that going on, I have such a pressure going on on the inside. And then she said, I keep judging myself without mercy. I'm so much in lack of peace. And I hear that quite often. So what I'm going to do this evening is that I will try to present a vision. What does it look like to have peace with yourself? And then also ask the question, what are the challenges that we are facing? And thirdly, what kind of help is available for us? What is it that God needs to do? And then fourthly, is there anything I can do? 
Are there anything in terms of how I live my life that I can focus on to have more peace with myself? So what does it look like? Well, in Acts chapter 26, verse 29, we hear the Apostle Paul speak to an assembly of people. And what he is saying is these words. He says, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. So this is my scripture for this evening. So what's going on here? Well, Paul was being accused of blasphemy by the Jewish religious establishment, and they had attempted to kill him. And now he was in a kind of protected uh, custody by the Roman um, administration in Caesarea, first by Felix and after him his follower Festus. And both of them wanted to please the Jewish people, so they kept him a prisoner. And at the same time, they tried to extort him. They wanted some money out of him. And at the same time, they were also quite fascinated with Paul, so they called him in for conversations all the time to kind of find out what is it that this guy really has that is so different. Just imagine being in a situation like this with so much pressure going on on the outside, so many threats on his life. To one degree, this could be read as a total failure. Mission not accomplished. Mission failed. To some degree, you could interpret this as a guy who had been completely let down by God. And no matter how you read it, I guess we can all see this must just be a huge amount of pressure on a person's life. And yet, he says these words, I wish that you may all become what I am. It's kind of mysterious to one degree, isn't it? A bit odd. And I also find it quite fascinating and amazing that these are the words that he is saying. Obviously, here we have a person who isn't letting himself being defined by the circumstances that he lives in. A person who is, with all of these things going on, still at peace with himself. It's kind of an amazing vision of peace if you think of it. Just imagine this evening, the power in this room. If all of us were able to stand to our feet and from the bottom of our hearts, being able to say, I wish that you may all become what I am. Wouldn't that be amazing? Just imagine the joy in this room and just imagine the peace in this room, if that was the case. Most of us find this quite challenging. Personally, when I look back on my life, I believe that I have had my fair share of battles going on. But I would say that the biggest battle of them all is this one. The battle for peace with myself. And as some of you would know, I've had the opportunity to kind of journey with quite a number of people over many years now. 
And I see the same thing over and over and over again. This is the big battle. And it seems that when we somehow find grace to engage in, the, in this battle, when we start winning it, because it is a battle that needs to be kind of engaged with and won every day, then it affects all the other battles going on. We simply start to look at them in a different way. So this, among many other battles, is one that we really need to choose to fight. It's a complex one. It's a multifaceted one. And I'm not trying to go for describing the whole thing in one evening. That's impossible. But just give us a few glimpses of this. One of my favorite illustrations is the illustration of Walt Disney. And I believe it will come up on the screen here. So this is my favorite duck, Donald Duck. He is an amazing ordinary duck. He's just like me, I have found. And here we see him in a big battle, not with anyone else, but with himself. These different voices going on on the inside, and the poor Donald Duck not really knowing which voice to follow. And I guess a few of us recognize this. Of course, more serious attempts have been given to describe this thing going on within us. And some different philosophers have tried to do this. And with different concepts, they would say that we have different layers of wills going on on the inside. And they would say that these different layers of wills are quite often in combat with one another. I have an example with me this evening. And those of you who know me well would know that this is a very vulnerable moment for me. So when I see a bag of crisps, I have a war going on on the inside. Part of me says, yes, I love crisps. They really are what the name is promising. They are crisp. They are salty. They make make life look much better. They give me comfort. They are a hiding place to me. I need these. I want them. Yes. But then on the other hand, I also have a no going on on the inside. I want to lead a healthy life. I want to eat well. I want to retain my astonishingly good looks. <laughs> yes, thank you very much for that laughter. So I, within me, when I see this bag of crisps in the supermarket, I have the yes and I have the no going on. I will hide them away, otherwise I will eat them. So we have these things going on with different things in our lives. Now, Paul was an expert in describing this battle going on within us. And in Romans chapter 7, he puts it like this. He says, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is so subject to death? Here we see a guy who really knew about this conflict going on and who felt the burden of it. The thing is, this no and yes for many of us, it's going on on a deeper level as well. 
Many of us find that in our way of relating to ourselves, we also have a yes and a no going on. Sometimes the yes is bigger than the no, and also sometimes the no is way bigger than the yes. For some of us, that was exactly what we felt when we woke up this morning. It was almost like, you know, uh, a melody going on, not a good one, not a happy one. Kind of this buzzing going on in the emotional life of not being very satisfied with ourselves. Quite dissatisfied, actually. For some of us, it was when we looked in the mirror. For some of us, it was when we checked our social media. For some of us, this was just how we woke up this morning. Actually, with a no to ourselves. With, our no, with a no to our lives. Carsten Isaacson, who was a vicar and a therapist, a Norwegian one, and who became kind of a national voice in, in Norway. In his book called In Confidence, Uh, he puts it like this, paraphrased, he says that it's not so much what we are or what we are not that is our problem. It's not so much what we have or what we don't have that's the issue. The real issue is what we think of what we are and what we think of what we have. The issue is what we say to ourselves about it. So what he's saying is the issue is what we are saying to ourselves, about ourselves. So what are we saying? And yet, beneath that level, first we have the crisps, then we have this inner dialogue going on, but yet beneath that level, there is another one for quite a few of us. And this is the level where we have our image of God going on, wherever we come from, whatever spiritual background we have, I find this a quite common thing, even for those of us who may only find ourselves on the road to faith, that we suspect that God feels about us the very same way that we feel about ourselves, that he too contains both a yes and a no to us. For those of us who kind of have heard the the theory about God or the theology about God, we know that he's supposed to love us unconditionally. So in theory, of course he loves us. Up here we would say, yes, he does. But for some of us down here, it's like the suspicion, well, probably he is as dissatisfied with me as I am. Probably he likes me as little as I do. Now, all of these yes and no's on these different levels, they leave us restless. And they leave us with this inner combat and this inner struggle for peace. And quite a few of us do realize today that we are in need of help. That we really can't figure this out just by ourselves. And quite a few of us would know that we actually need God's help. It's good with the help of friends, and that really helps. But it's not quite enough. We actually need the help of God. So how do we find peace? Well, I believe we find it on this deeper level of things going on within us. 
C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it's not there. There is no such thing. Which means that we need to start on this deepest level. This is also the testimony of Paul. He knew all about these conflicting yes and no's going on. But what he found was this simple and yet profound truth. In 2 Corinthians, he says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. In him it has been, it always will be yes. So what is, this, what is the power of this yes of God to you and to me? How strong is this yes? Well, it's the yes we hear in the creation. When God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit made a choice, a deliberate choice to make us in His image. It wasn't by mistake. It was by choice. And after He made us, He saw us and He said, this is good. He delighted in what he saw. It's this yes that we hear in the testimony of David of the Old Testament when he sang, you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. This is a guy who had heard the yes from God over his life. It's a yes that we hear at the birth of Jesus when the angels were singing from heaven over us, over all creation, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And it's a yes we hear from the cross when Jesus invited all to partake in the favor of God, when he on the cross was shouting, Father, forgive them because they know not what they are doing and when he was saying, it is complete. What does this mean? It means that the yes of God to me and to you is really a yes. Behind the yes, there is another yes. Behind that yes, there is another one. And behind that yes, there is another yes. And on it goes. You will never get to a point where you arrive at a no, it will always be yes. So where does peace begin? Well, it begins when I become quiet. It begins when I stop trying to save myself and to fix myself. And when I start to listen to what he really says to me. It begins when I stop listening to what I think he says. And here's what he actually says. Some time ago, I was away for a week, a retreat, uh, in silence, offline, having time to read the Bible and other good books, and time to walk and to pray and the whole aim of this exercise is to actually become quiet and start to listen. Uh, what is God saying? 
And this was a different week from the ones that I usually would have. Uh, so my notebook was very thin at the end of the week because I had enjoyed being there. I'd enjoyed kind of doing the things that I normally do, but no really sense of God saying anything in particular. So at the end of the retreat, I was just going for a walk just before going to the airport, catching a plane back to London. And as I was going on this walk, I had this inner prompting that I should take a different route. And I was arguing a bit with myself because I knew that I had a plane to catch and I didn't really know where this would lead me. But I really felt like I should go down that path. So I did. And then I came to some very ancient ruins and at the same time there was kind of a look over the ocean. And in these ruins there was, I kid you not, a mandolin orchestra playing. It was like 30 mandolins and 20 guitars. And uh, you would think that that would be an awful experience, but it actually was a very, very beautiful experience. It was such an amazing sound. And then, so I, I stopped and I listened. And then as I was standing there, there was this very tiny, small, young woman coming to the stage. And then she started to sing. And it was this crystal clear, beautiful voice. And I didn't understand a word of what she was singing, but I felt like I was just drinking all of this in. And then they stopped, and I turned around to kind of go back to catch the plane. But then I felt like God speaking very clearly to me in a way that it doesn't happen to me often. It's only a few times that I've experienced it that clearly in my life. It was like someone was speaking in my thoughts. And what he was saying was this. He said, you asked me who I am. And that was a question that I had asked during my prayers during the week. And then he said, I am the one singing love songs over you. And I was completely awestruck and felt paralyzed. So I was just standing there. I was like, is this what you are saying? I often come to these retreats with a lot of operational questions, things that I kind of think, now we need to sort this out, God. <laughs> Let's fix this. But he always turns up in a very different way. But I've never really heard it like this. Of course, for me, that's a unique personal experience, but it's not a unique story. If you start to read the stories of people who, who listen to God in this way, this is quite often what they end up hearing. It's not God giving them a to-do list. It's more like God saying stuff like this. I believe that he's saying it all the time to all of us in very different ways. But quite many of us, probably you like me, find it difficult sometimes to become quiet and really listen to that voice of God, however he chooses to speak to us. I have three children. They are very different. So when I need to express my love to them, I need to do it in very different ways. God has billions of children. And when he expresses his love, he does it in billions of ways, just the way that is designed for you. So what you can take away from my story is not that this is how it should be, 
But what you can take away, I believe, is that this is what the Heavenly Father is saying over all of us in very different ways. This is where healing begins. How do I know that the healing has begun, that the peace has begun to engage with the inner part of my being? It is when this yes of God over my life starts to come from within. It rises within me. And I start to give this radical yes back to God. Unreserved, unconditionally, yes to him. And in that yes, I find that there is also a yes to myself. And in that yes to myself, I find, well, there is a yes to other people as well. It's all connected. So what does that really mean? Well, it actually means that I lose my life to the one who lost his life for me. It means that the way we find peace with ourselves is really when we lose ourselves to someone else. It's a bit strange, isn't it? And yet, I believe this is the only way. I have never seen, I have never experienced any other way. This seems to be the nature of love. When I met my wife, Meta, which is quite a while ago now, I lost myself to her. That's how love responds. When we then had our children, we lost ourselves to our children. That's a natural response of love. But as you lose yourself, you actually end up finding yourself. I believe that's how real friendships work. If a friendship is real, we lose ourselves to one another. I believe it even goes for us as a church community. That for a church community to be really real, we actually lose ourselves to one another. And then we find ourselves in the process of doing exactly that. So where does that come from? Well, it comes from God. He does this all the time. We hear about it in the Bible that the Father gives everything to the Son and the Son gives everything back to the Father and the Holy Spirit glorifies the Father and the Son and the Son glorifies the Holy Spirit. So they are preoccupied with losing themselves to one another. This is the nature of God and He lost Himself to us. This is our deepest DNA. And you need to go to your deepest DNA to find peace with yourself. What kind of life come out of this? What kind of natural consequence? What kind of logical action come out of this experience of the unconditional yes from God? Well, we hear it in Paul's defense when he speaks to his Roman administrators. To Felix, he says, I have fulfilled my duty to God in all good conscience to this day. And to Festus, he says, I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. This is how he revealed his secret. This was a lifestyle that led to a place of proclaiming such a peace as he did here. What kind of lifestyle is this? What does it require? What does this mean? 
Well, it means that I have a safe place that I come from. I come from this safe place of having experienced the yes of God. That is what gives me courage to start to look at my life and to acknowledge the things that I need to acknowledge about myself, the sin going on in my life. And what is this sin? Well, it's the areas in my life where I miss the target with my life. That's one of the definitions of sin in the Bible. And how do we recognize it? Well, we recognize it by this inner sense that this is really not me. I do this thing. I say this thing. I feel this thing. I think this thing. I have done it. Maybe I'm still doing it. But I don't really identify with it. It's not really what I want. Well, that's sin. And if we come from a place of unpeace, of feeling unloved, we dare not look at it. But now we are experiencing this unconditional yes from God. So we dare to look at it. We don't flee any longer. We don't escape it any longer. But we dare to look at it. And acknowledge our responsibility in it. The areas where these are choices of our own. And as we do that, we find that we need to do something about this. We can't just leave it as a thought, as an acknowledgement. We have to confess it. We have to confess it to God. We have to confess it to ourselves because we have damaged ourselves. And we have to confess it to the people who are involved in whatever it is that has been going on in our lives. There is no other way. If you are like me, you would like another way. Whenever I hear about these things, I always have creative thoughts like, oh, well, maybe I can just think my way through this. Or maybe I can just quietly change my behavior, then everything will be all right. I don't have to do more about it. I have bad news for you if you think like I do. It just doesn't work. There's only one way to deal with the things that we acknowledge really doesn't belong to us, really shouldn't be part of our lives, and that is to confess it. The promise is very clear in the Bible that if we confess our sins, he will be faithful and just and forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It needs to be confessed. And that leads us to the third thing as a natural consequence of experiencing the yes of God, which is a choice to live life differently, to repent, which means that we make a deliberate choice to live in a new way. Can I have the band come up, please? This is the road to peace that Paul had found. He had found that he had to lose himself to Christ. He says, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. He had found that he had to live intentionally like this with a clear conscience. To God, to himself, and to other people as well. This was why he was able to stand there with so many pressures going on. With so many circumstances that he definitely didn't like. Like maybe you and I experience right now. Things in our lives that we really would rather be without. 
But we, if we look for the transformation of those to fix us and for us to find peace, we will be disappointed because that's not where peace starts. It doesn't start out there. It starts in here. And this is the road to peace. And there isn't really any other given to us. Now, in conclusion, and Hannah, if you will start playing on the piano, you do that so well, <laughs> I would like to just read a poetic expression of this, which we find in Psalm 32 by David. And this is his description of what Paul had experienced and his description of what is available to all of us here this evening. He sings like this, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Now, some of us, when we came here this evening, we felt surrounded by many other things. And you may very well be surrounded by many other things, but friend, you are also surrounded by songs of deliverance. There is a path for all of us to start hearing this. And before the band will lead us in worship, I would like to pray a prayer over all of us. And that is for the Holy Spirit who is here with us to anoint our eyes and ears to hear those songs. To hear and to see the yes from God being spoken over our lives. Father, I thank you that you are here. Jesus, thank you that you are here with us in this room. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here. And you are the one revealing the love of the Father and the Son to us. And Holy Spirit, in this very moment, I pray that you will anoint our eyes, our ears, to see and to hear the yes from you over our lives. I pray for healing of the troubled soul. I pray for eyes that will see that we are surrounded by you. 
that we were never left by you. Let's just stay in this moment. Allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. Just for a moment, forget about what comes next. Just stay in this moment, just for a while. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will increase the work that you're doing in our hearts right now. And I see that there's a healing of memories going on. That there are some of us, as we have been listening, we have been bombarded with some hurtful memories. And we have had an inner battle going on saying, I can never lose myself to anyone again because of those hurtful memories. And yet you long for just that. God will heal you now. The Holy Spirit comes like an anointing over you and heals those memories. Come, Holy Spirit. He's the one who makes everything new. He has that power. I pray that you will receive it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.